So I was asked um, about deathless consciousness or consciousness of the deathless or uh, being conscious and being deathless. <laughs> uh, these terms kind of rolled around in different combinations. Uh, and what is deathlessness? It seems, seems to be the main reason why the Buddha left home was to realize the deathless. What is it anyway? <laughs> uh, and by and large, I'm not too keen on just doing verbal. This means that, this means that, this means that. But you know, trying to get a final, who, well, who cares anyway? <laughs> Uh, why is why is it useful to 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 even think about this? Because uh, um, it is, in a way, it's the aim of the the path, and that that aim sets up a particular tonal quality. Because it's about not being born, not being, so whatever's born dies, it's about not grabbing hold of something and identifying with it. And the, the, one of the simplest definitions of the deathless is given in one of the suttas in the middle length saying called the imperturbable, or the way to the imperturbable, where the Buddha talks about all these uh, very uh, amazing meditative developments, including the realms of uh, no-thing and infinite consciousness and infinite space. Uh, so it's all quite quite mind-blowing. But he said, yeah, there's this, and this is as far as it goes in terms of clinging. In other words, if you want to grasp anything, grasp at the realm of infinite space. <laughs> Or infinite consciousness, or neither perception or non-perception. I mean, so so clearly the Buddha was had a very complete uh, rate uh, or comprehension of all the different levels of consciousness consciousness could get to. And he said, "Yeah, there's some pretty nice stuff out there, but this is deathlessness. That is the citta." That's not grasping, and as as in, one notices sometimes in the suttas, this is quite a lead up where the Buddha adds lists and lists and lists, and then he says, "But this is this is the point." <laughs> so we can be quite amazed at this presentation of these deep jhanas and and so forth, and the Buddha says, "Yeah, there, that's there, and they are much more." better than hanging on to this thing, but deathlessness is just non-grasping uh, at anything. So that non-grasping, the, and what is it that grasps? Uh, do we know what that is? What is grasping clinging? It's not I don't grasp, but there's a, a, a reaction around uh, something that I find that the citta, the heart, finds agreeable, it tends to hold it, not want it to pass, obviously. 
holds on to something, doesn't want it to pass, or it or it uh, tries to resist something happening. You know, so again, it, you can feel it tighten up, firm up, or there's that grasping onto some status or identity. You know, I'm the leader of this, or I'm the this, or you know, some identity thing whereby there's this grasping or the heart grasp and then there's a sense of being solid this is where I am, I've got it I have this, I'm here, that's who I am I know what I'm doing, I am what I am that thing, that's called becoming becomes a certain shaping the chitta takes a shape uh, yeah. it, it forms an identity and then there's all the narrative and the colour of me with all its dramas and, and interesting details. So you see there's some magazines are full of these, you know, Hollywood or latest music, rock singer, what her, what her tastes in dress are or what her she likes to eat, and all this stuff going on about her. She's become somebody famous. <laughs> Therefore, all this, suddenly all these things are really important and colourful. And so this is the whole movement towards becoming and birth. And you fast forward, of course you recognize that, you know, that state of being is going to crack up or fade out in a few years' time. And there's death, aging and death. Yeah. So that's, that's, what, that's what grasping is about and the futility of it, because actually nothing can be grasped. Nothing does stay, no matter how hard the heart holds on to it, it doesn't stay, and the harder you hold it, uh, the more painful it is when it passes. So there's that whole sense of really learning how to, you know, to be non-grasping, or to get the heart to not grasp, and yet still feel stable in itself. Why grasping? Because when we're grasping something gets us to feel, here I am, I'm solid, I've got this, this is my name, my identity. Even if it's a bad identity, at least I know what it is, that's me. So that sense of, you know, the need for solidity and, and uh, orientation. Uh, okay, so now the Buddha, again, where we talked about the, the, um, these very refined states, but let's be clear, the Buddha said, I've gone to this, I've trodden this ancient path, trodden by the enlightened ones of old, as if to this city, this path had got lost. And along this path I've walked, and I've come to know the arising and passing of birth, the arising and passing of aging, the arising and passing of death. This is the eightfold path, is this way to the ending of death and deathlessness. Uh. <laughs> now, clearly, the Buddha's own body broke up, so. If it, you know, say so it wasn't the body wasn't deathless, yeah. the eyes weren't deathless, speech faculty fell away, that wasn't deathless, thinking couldn't do that, ended. 
So, but then that the jitta that was that was not engaged with that is then liberated from this mortal condition. And then, of course, people say, "Really, where did it go?" And then the Buddha said, "You can't. How could you say? How could you locate it? Because whatever you locate is a topic of grasping." <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so if it was uh, if it was on the planet Earth, it would be grasping planet Earth. If it was in a Deva Loka, it would be stuck on the Deva Loka, some heavenly realm. So this, so the jitta that has no grasping is also translated as no foundation for grasping. Nothing to, in other words, it rests in itself rather than on some object or state or another. And so for this. <laughs> There's both the sense of disengagement uh, and that becomes possible and perhaps only possible through the cultivation and strengthening and acknowledgement and cleaning of the citta so it can rest in itself rather than have something to prop it up. You know, it's like if you're sick, broken, depleted, you need a stick and crutches to hold you up. But if you're healthy, you don't. You can walk by yourself. So similarly, the chitta, if it's not sick, confused, <laughs> broken, it will, it will stand on its own. <laughs> and they say, where's that? It's in chitta. <laughs> uh, at that point, the language starts to fall away and the Buddha didn't didn't really uh, go any further with that. Just said, you know, you know it when it's there. Uh, and some examples. So, you know, is this consciousness or what? Well, again, it depends what you mean by this English word consciousness, because it's certainly not unconscious. We saw conscious in the sense it's it's aware, but the Pali word vijnana doesn't mean quite the same thing. It means consciousness of something. So when we look at the Pali word vijnana, it means consciousness of a sight, or of a sound, or of a thought. So it's always based upon some sense object, even including the, the object, sense object of the thinking mind, or even these very lofty, states of you know nothingness or infinite space is still you know uh, consciousness of that object so so this is the word use the word vijnana means that so it's something we can also recognize And uh, the uh, some of the uh, texts point this out. I think I've got a, a pr- brought up a few here to talk about or to refer to. Mm. Consciousness, while standing, might stand involved with form. With a sprinkling of delight, it might come to growth increase and expansion 
or consciousness might stand involved with feeling or, or, or activations, mental movements it might stand involved with a sight or a sound it rests upon something but if one has abandoned raga raga is translated as passion that's a very strong word but this sense of um, colouring for form, for sight, for sound and so on now what does this refer to raga? now when consciousness lands on something contact arises as I was saying to the group here today, we had a little, some of the cushions on the floor, blue cushions. So when I'm sitting here talking to people, I, I, I notice cushions there, but I don't really, it's, it, I'm not engaging with it. And then I might decide to look at one. So then when the visual consciousness really looks at that blue cushion, suddenly the rest of the room kind of fades out and that blue cushion becomes quite dominant and strong and the colour enters you get a strong feeling from the colour which wasn't there when one didn't engage with it so the consciousness acts as an amplifier what consciousness lands upon it causes that which it lands upon to swell and grow not in terms of space but in terms of intensity so it swells and grows in intensity in the chitta. Uh, and another example, which is perhaps even clearer, when one, what one intends, what one arranges, what one obsesses about. So these are mental consciousness. Okay. So what one intends, what one aims for what one arranges, what one obsesses about, this is a support for the stationing of consciousness. Right? So thoughts could be drifting through and suddenly you catch one, oh my, and it really sticks and you get onto it and you start obsessing with that thought. So then this means that that becomes a basis for consciousness to get established on that, on that thought. Yeah? There being a support, there is a landing. When it lands and grows, there is production of renewed becoming. So when I land upon a thought, uh, then the thought doesn't just sit there, it starts to swell and grow. And so then this, and what about that? It reminds me of this, it reminds me of that, and you could do this, and you could do that. And this means you're like this or like that. So it starts to proliferate. Because when consciousness gets established on it, then there's this re- uh, quality called becoming. It proliferates and manifests and develops because consciousness lands on it. <laughs> if one doesn't intend, doesn't arrange, and still obsesses, this is a support, the station of consciousness. If one doesn't intend to arrange or obsess about anything, there is no support for the stationing of consciousness. (laughs) 
Okay, there being no support, there's no landing of consciousness. When that consciousness doesn't land and grow, there's no production of renewed becoming. No production of renewed becoming, there is no future birth, aging, death, sorrow, lamentation, pain, distress, or despair. Such is the cessation of the entire mass of suffering. So the stationing means that we are conscious in the sense we're not unconscious. But what is that consciousness engaging with? And why does it engage? Because there's some degree of that thoughts seem, when we think about something, it's got some flavor to it. Maybe just literally planning dinner. Oh yeah, or you're planning a vacation. Oh yeah, or you're worrying about your job. So this is not necessarily the flavor is always pleasant. But it's got some richness to it, and one gets stirred. The chitta is stirred, agitated, hungry, you know, it's swelling, it's, it's flavored, it's colored. Right? And that coloring of the chitta means that it, it, there's engagement, and the chitta starts you know, that process of, of uh, propelling consciousness into future possibilities. So. Chitta acts as the heart of consciousness. It's the driver. You know, where consciousness goes, it goes because the chitta drives it there. And chitta is the motivator. Chitta is the, the engine. And its, it's, it's fuel is passion. So when it gets passion, it throws consciousness onto something, a sight, a sound, mostly a thought or an imagination. Yeah. to the point in which that flavoring of the thought and the imagination can be so strong, it actually dominates reality. So we see things, we think we see things as fantastic, they're actually quite ordinary, but because our chit is impassioned, it makes them fantastic. <laughs> yeah. Um, and certainly, as I often comment, you know, the the world of consumerism, the whole addiction of consumerism is based upon this. So you, you produce some car or something, make it nice and sleek, sleek shapes, glossy colors. I mean, the shape and the color of a car does not guarantee you're going to travel anywhere. The aim of a car is to get from a point A to point B. What it looks like is of no significance in terms of getting from point A to point B, is it? <laughs> it doesn't affect it at all. And yet nobody buy, really buys a car <laughs> just from point A to point B. They like because it's the color, the shape, the cuteness, the... Yeah, that's all part of it. That's why the... You know, there are 25 different kinds of car, you know, because they're all trying to give something attractive, because that gets the passion going. And the chitta will then engage with that. So that the, the passion for the object supersedes the reality of the object. 
Yeah. And people like to go on shopping sprees. Not because they need anything, because there's that excitement about getting glossy, tasty, colourful, cute things. So the the emotional impression dominates the material reality of it. So this is when this raga colours everything. Yeah. And of course we predominantly the human body, yeah. which is a adequate, you know, thing for life and then you know basically there's not that much difference in them <laughs> heads feet legs elbows so forth organs most of it's not particularly anything really it's just like a tree it's quite okay but then the, the passion flavors it as something kind of dazzling attractive and you you, know, you, you you do things to it to make it that way. So then the passion actually drives one's consciousness into greed, delusion, and consumerism, where we become fascinated by sights. So the chitta is the passion in the chitta that drives that. Now, when we're intending, planning, arranging, uh, obsessing, those words mean, well, oh, I could get this. I've really got to get that. If I've got this and that, work that out. It's a kind of excitement of arriving at a particular goal, isn't there? Yeah. I do this and I'll get to there. So there's a kind of excitement of doing that. Yeah. And that, that excitement to arrive somewhere, to get something done, to arrive at a conclusion, where you've... you've, you've Traveled somewhere in your mind and got somewhere. That, and, and, and so then the, we engage with the thoughts to, you know, to, to get that feeling of developing and becoming something. Mm-hmm. To the point when you can do things like play Sudoku, which I, I've never actually played Sudoku. I've just got a vague idea what it's about, something about letters and words. But, you know, if you get good at it, you can play with that and get to some result or another. (laughs) Which is of utterly no consequence whatsoever. Uh, I think somebody showed something called Pokemon, Pokemons. Which again is another completely useless, futile fantasy. But you can get entertained, either chasing them or finding them or something. See, what do we do that for? Yeah. Yeah. So we had, I think we had some of these were stuck, I don't quite understand it, but some of them were stuck in our monastery. We had these Pokemon things. <laughs> and people were turning up the monastery trying to find our, whatever it was, somewhere up a bell tower. And we said, could you please get your, get your Pokemon out of our bell tower? <laughs> so people ignored the monastery <laughs> and the bell tower and the place where they could actually learn something useful <laughs> they completely ignored that for chasing this fantasy object <laughs> because <laughs> that was more attractive <laughs> the wisdom teachings <laughs> yeah. 
the, the excitement of, a, of arriving something, solving a problem, getting things fixed. And that's, that's called becoming. Yeah. And, no matter, and of course, it, with these things like games and uh, sports and so forth, or particularly board games, like playing board games, actually, there's absolutely no <laughs> achievement other than just that kind of mental sense of you've succeeded at what? Uh, playing this game. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, 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 that's passion, there's coloring. Coloring around moving numbers around or moving words around. And then people get absorbed into it. So I'm sure there are all kinds of you know, groups of people, perhaps even online, computer games, which again, I've never even done a computer game, or don't really know what they are, but I know there's lots of people doing them. And uh, you're getting completely absorbed in it. And it's, a, it's, it's all fantasy. It's all fantasy. And we can put our life energy into fantasy. Knowing it's fantasy. Everybody knows it's fantasy. And still you put life energy into it. Your time, your time on this planet <laughs> is put into that. Because of what? Because of raga. And because the chitta loves the movement of energy. Loves that. Is attracted to that. Like a magpie is attracted to, to glittery objects. You know, jitter is attracted to energy because the jitter feeds on energy. Raga. Therefore, it drives consciousness into into this and that and this and that. And sometimes this isn't fun at all. It's miserable, obsessive worry, obsessive guilt, obsessive regret, where it's still got an intense feeling in it, uh, an identity with it. So we go into the identity thing again. Because somehow or another, some unconscious, not clear way, the jitta has kind of gone down that route so many times, it's now familiar. It's gone down that route, that track of regret or concern so many times that it just rolls down there like a ball rolling down a hill. And when you see and you recognize it's happening and you know it's crazy, you don't even like it, you don't want to do it, you wish you wouldn't do it, but you keep doing it. You're thinking, hey, this stuff is takes a bit of work <laughs> to shift. And what are we doing then? It's not so easy just to let go, is it? To disengage, it's not so easy. Disengagement, path of the deathless, sounds great. Don't get in, don't get your consciousness driven into things. Sounds great. Why, why don't we do it? This thing because it's not in control. It's, there is no self in control of it. There's no self in control of it. Yeah. This we're dealing with almost like chemistry. Mm-hmm. So you know the Buddha's saying, well then. We can provide a counterbalance where the energies, the jitta, okay, give it some life energy, give it some breath energy, 
and give it some sense of of uh, knowing where it is, not by sight, sounds, and so forth, but by ethical concern. I know where I am in my, my place of truthfulness. In a place of truthfulness, then the quality of the sight or the sound or the object is not my concern. My concern is truthfulness or harmlessness, non-violence. So you're providing an alternative orientation. And this is the ethical aspect of the Eightfold Path as an unavoidable and necessary uh, training for the realization of the deathless because it disengages passion, it disengages the jitta. So then we can still see and think and taste and touch, but the driving into those is done not through passion, but through conscience and concern, or through kindness, or through, you you know, in other words, from somewhere that's not about passion. And and that is essential because then the jitta begins to feel its own truth and richness through giving itself into wholesome uh, channels. And that means that the unwholesome ones begin to dry up because your jitta doesn't travel down them. And that's the nature of it. If you don't travel down those paths time and time again, eventually they wear out. Yeah. So the Buddha says this is like a, a realized being, like someone who just doesn't have those paths anymore. They've eradicated the path to violence. It's just there is no pathway. <laughs> Jitta doesn't doesn't go there. Yeah. yeah. So so this is and we're beginning to recognize we're still seeing and thinking and touching and so forth but now that the one it's, the one it doesn't obsess or plan one is mindful reflective considers carefully so then you're beginning to train the way that jitta operates consciousness and then restraint i don't need to see that I see that my consciousness lands upon that and starts getting heated up or starts getting tangled and frazzled. And there's a sense of just humility of realizing one is not in control of this. It's like if you put a match into gasoline, it's going to explode. <laughs> Whatever your wish is or your, or your personality is, so you know this one, yeah. And of course, the, the, but the beauty of it is, once you've begun to cultivate that, then the, the, the passion, if it's not being encouraged, fades out. And you've got something more stable and steady instead. Instead of passion, you've got dispassion. And dispassion means you can sense things without being rocked by them. You're open, you can sense things, you can see things clearly. You don't color objects. Objects can be exactly what they are. 
they're not colored by something. And so this dispassion allows one, it's called, to see things actually as they are, without the colorings and the flavorings. When one sees things as they are, we just recognize it's not, that's, it's just that. It's not, it's nothing about, there's nothing to get in that. It's what it is. There's no, you know, it's just a thing. It's just the sight. You don't get it. Uh, uh, so then, the, 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 this is then the chitta begins to not be propelling consciousness into these sights and sounds and touches, although we can still see. Because mm-hmm. this is the release from grasping. It begins with that understanding of. Um, the path and the understanding of the of the requirement and the addictive qualities and the need to to um, find an alternative base for the jitta to be strengthened by. So, so this is ongoing, isn't it? Now, as we just cultivate in meditation, you can find this is very directly. You can find that situation where there's a body, but you're not in your, you're not in your shoulders or your skin or your hair or your eyes or your shape or your age or your color of skin. Or, you know, you just you're not in it. <laughs> that's an that's an object. It's not a subject. That's not you. That's an object. It's not the subject is where the subject is the knowing, animate, alive qualities that are, and all everything about that is constantly shifting and changing. So we actually ha- don't have a body. We never did. <laughs> In reality. So when this body passes away, it's like, well, it never was mine. <laughs> yeah. The life force has moved, opened. Where does it go? Where does it go? Well, you can find that out. Uh, pretty much get a, get a good idea of that when you breathe in. You breathe in. And you breathe in. And what happens to the vitality of your breathing? And it swells and it subsides. Where does it go? It just goes into space, doesn't it? It just goes. Where did the energy go? The energy, where does, it, where does energy go when it goes? It just, it goes to what can't be determined. Where does the chitta go when it goes out? It goes to what can't be determined. Because determining is an action of consciousness. To say this is this, that's that, that's it. When one doesn't do that. Now, I mean, these, uh, these may seem things you can ponder or consider. But the main theme of our, of our practice is to get a distinction between vijnana and citta 
you know, consciousness or, or sights and sounds, and the, the effect of when one's consciousness is called an element. So when it lands on something, it actually imparts qualities to what it lands upon. And if it's impassioned, it imparts passion qualities. If it's irritable, it imparts irritableness on it. It flavors things in accordance with its, with its dominant tendency. Yeah. And then the jitta gets affected by all that. So the, the removal of these taints means that we see things, but we're not, we're not, we're not impacted. We hear, we see, we touch, we're not swayed. And then this is deathlessness in this very life. When the chitta is unswayed by desire, fear, or aversion. Okay, so offer this for your consideration this evening.